The Colorado Business Roundtable unapologetically tells the story that business is a force for good in our community, featuring conversations with thought leaders from academia, business, community, and government. Welcome to A Seat at the Table with Debbie Brown. Hi, thanks for joining us today at Seat at the Table, a production of Colorado Business Roundtable, and this is Debbie Brown, President uh, joining us in our conversation today, I'm excited to introduce you all to Don Haddad, who is the superintendent of St. Rain Valley School District. Welcome, Don. Hi, Debbie. How are you? Good, good. Thanks for joining us today. Um, we regularly talk to thought leaders who represent academia, business, community, and government, as you know, because you're also serving on our board. And today we're excited to particularly talk about workforce issues and how uh, K through 12 is part of that continuum in solving some of the workforce issues that we're facing here in Colorado. For our folks who regularly listen, um, this issue, of course, has been the number one issue facing Colorado for a couple of years, um, finding talent, retaining talent, and we need everybody to be a part of that solution, including our K through 12 system. But before I get into some of those questions, Don, that we share passion about education and workforce, want to just jump into, um, tell me a little bit more about your personal story. How did you end up becoming superintendent? Well, you know, and when I was in high school, I really enjoyed wrestling and I was fortunate enough to win a, a couple of state championships and get a scholarship to college. I went to CSU, Colorado State University, and there I uh, earned my degree in uh, teaching and my license and got my first job as a teacher and coach at Westminster High School when I was 23 years old. I taught for a number of years and then eventually moved to Cherry Creek School District. And there I was hired after teaching for a while as an administrator at the high school level, middle school level. I also worked at the elementary school level, so I've experienced all the levels. And uh, from there, we relocated up to Boulder. I worked in Boulder Valley School District and then uh, the Mapleton School District, and then most recently for the last 21 years in the St. Rain Valley Schools. So I've been doing this for about 38 years total. And during that time, I've experienced various school districts from a variety of different socioeconomic perspectives, and some were diverse and some weren't. And, you know, and so it's been a great uh, compilation of experience. I went on and earned my master's degree in educational leadership and then my doctorate in educational leadership as well. And about 21 years ago, I was hired in St. Brain as the principal of Niwot High School. And a few years later, became the executive director of secondary schools and then became the assistant superintendent and then the deputy superintendent. And now this is my 15th year as the superintendent. So it's, uh, it's been quite the journey, actually, and I enjoy it a lot. That is a big journey. And I know we share sort of that connection to Cherry Creek schools. One of the things I find so fascinating, I wanted to stop you, is your longevity as a leader within K through 12 education. I think you and I have talked about sometimes, um, you know, that's a rarity to find folks who want to continue perhaps in that leadership journey in K through 12 for a lot of reasons. Well, it is. And I think so much of it depends on your preparation before you actually get into the job. And having worked in several districts and having experienced all of the positions K through 12, both as a teacher and as an administrator, and then working through the central office process for a number of different positions. By the time you get to the superintendency, if you've had that kind of background, I also have had some incredible mentors along the way. I 
in Cherry Creek, I was mentored by one national superintendent of the year and St. Vrain, before I became the superintendent, had a great opportunity to work with Colorado superintendent of the year. And I've had a lot of really good mentors along the way. And it's uh, caused me to be able to, you know, continue this job for quite a while. Because actually the longevity for superintendents is about two to four years. So going on 15 and still enjoying it. <laughs> well, that's good. That's good. Yeah. Well, and I would think the nuts and bolts of running a school district would be fascinating, you know, and and, and maybe um, sort of, you know, the operational side is interesting enough. But what I would find so compelling, and I'd love to have you share with everybody, is um, when I first got to know you, it really was when I took a tour of what you're doing, um, particularly around areas of innovation and workforce integration, and went on a tour up in your area, that part of town, and I was just blown away. So I don't know if you remember the conversation, but I was I was thinking about how we could um, take some of the things that you're doing, and, and it's no surprise to you. You hear people say this a lot, I'm sure, but how do we take what you're doing and even scale it um, um, into other areas? Because I was just so inspired. So give us a sense for people who haven't had a chance to take a tour of what you're doing, particularly around innovation. Give us a sense of what they would see if they came up to visit you for a day. Yeah, you know, they would see a comprehensive system that starts in preschool for all of our children. We've had high quality preschool for the last 15 years in St. Brain. And then it's followed up by a high quality full day kindergarten program in every one of our elementary schools. And so at those early years, you will see kids focused and working on design thinking, which is a much higher level of thought process than sitting and getting information from a teacher. It involves empathizing a problem, ideating solutions, prototyping, testing, revising, working in teams, and all of this stuff happens early on in preschool. And they will advance through a system where we have a well-aligned curriculum with the standards, the curriculum, the instruction, and the ways in which we assess our students. We have extremely talented teachers with a robust professional development department. We have the second fastest internet service in the country right now. And we have one of the most outstanding infrastructures and technology programs where all of our students have an iPad. It's a one-to-one -one starting in preschool and going all the way up. Our teachers are well-trained and so our kids are working with technology as well as some of the more traditional ways of learning. We also have programs along the way that really tie into workforce development. We have STEM-focused programs, we have energy-focused programs, we have the medical and biosciences, we have leadership, we have international baccalaureate programs, we have a whole host of aerospace and aeronautics types programs. We have the best robotics program in the world. We have over 200 robotics teams across our 60 schools. We span out over 411 square miles with 60 schools and about 33,000 students but this last year, we won the world championships down in Texas for robotics, both in the large division and the small division up until Which this amazing. year. amazing. Yeah, that's so huge. I, I yeah. remember seeing some of the students when I was there looking at that. And what a kudos to you and your students. What a big accomplishment, your faculty. It, it's incredible. And then, you know, we round out with great high school programming, but we also have a two-year associate degree grades 13 and 14, in partnership with some of our major businesses and corporations and community colleges in the areas of cybersecurity, 
and medical and biosciences, and then computer information systems. And our fourth one that we're going to be opening is business. And those are associate degree programs that our students can earn at no cost. And there's a lot more, but uh, I'd invite people to come up and see it. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. Well, we'll have to do another tour with some of our our folks. Thinking about that um, and all the success that you've been able to achieve at St. Vrain Valley School District. What are you looking back at COVID and the last couple of years where we've had a lot of disruption, particularly in the education field? What were some of those challenges that you faced and then how did you overcome them? Well, you know, when you have a pandemic of this nature, there is a lot of apprehension and a lot of fear. And, and a there's lot no of, playbook, right? And there's, there's no, no playbook. playbook, right? We haven't done this before. That's right. And people are worried about their health first and foremost, as were we. And so you're trying to balance the safety physically with also the safety of continuing on with a child's education. The good news for us is we had a robust technology system, so we were able to pivot and begin to deliver lessons to our children at home. But nonetheless, that in and of itself is a challenge. We also had uh, really competing interests, Debbie. You know, politically, there were people and still are people on both sides of this issue in the way in which they view it. And, uh, you know, I don't uh, get into judging or siding with any particular view because my commitment is to all of our parents and constituents. But some people thought we shouldn't be in school at all, personally, and others thought we should be in school all the time. Some people thought we should wear masks. Some people thought we shouldn't wear masks. Some people thought the employees should be vaccinated. Some people thought the employees shouldn't be vaccinated. And there's just a whole host of those different viewpoints. We also had things to concern ourselves with. How do we keep our children fed? Because a lot of our students would depend on these types of, you know, food programs for their for their daily nutrition. And then we also have the mental health issues of kids being isolated at home. So just a whole host of issues and challenges, but uh, we had great teachers and our parents and our community and my longevity, I think helped with some of the trust in making some of the decisions that we had to make. So, and keeping kids on track. Right. I mean, I think, I think you're right. Trust in the, in your leadership role, trust in, you know, what you've built already um, within the school district were probably critically important. You brought up sort of peripherally some policy implications to what was happening during COVID. Give us a sense looking forward. What are some opportunities that are coming your way or that are based on policy perhaps? Well, you know, one of the things that we have implemented now is a pretty robust telecommunications process and program where because we have all of this technology and all of this training, our kids in any one of our high schools can now be able to log in in real time to a class in another high school 30 miles away and be there in real time. And so we've broadened significantly the opportunities for kids to engage in classes. We've also inadvertently helped address some of the challenges in hiring as many teachers as we need because we can leverage technology in ways you never replace that great teacher in a classroom. But we also have the opportunity now to offer you know, classes for kids from a distance, which cuts down on transportation and those things. We also, you know, inclement weather used to be one where kids would have to stay home now and not engage in the learning. When we have severe inclement weather, we can continue school and our students log in from home and our teachers log in. And so we don't have those lost days of instruction 
So there were just that's a lot a, of that things like, that came, you know, came our way. I didn't mean to interrupt. I was no. thinking of all those poor kids praying for snow day, right? And you're like, I well, I know. that's not a thing anymore. Not I love here. that. <laughs> we're going to keep them learning. That's right. Um, that's so cool. Well, and part of the part of the reason I've always um, admired what you've built and what you're building is, um, you know, I used to think through what happened with COVID about disruption and, and all disruption isn't bad. Sometimes disruption forces us to innovate, forces us to think differently. And we're seeing some of those policy implications come out of COVID that, that actually were perhaps silver linings in a very tough time that we can move forward with. And I think that sounds like what you've implemented as well. Like how do you figure out best practices in a whole new world going forward? Yeah. You know, the other thing, Debbie, I think that it's done is I, I think it put a spotlight on public education in a way that can be very helpful moving forward, because oftentimes we think of our schools as a place where students go and they learn content, which is absolutely true and very important. It's also the home of 90 percent of all of America's children, K through 12. And our economy is dependent on strong public schools public safety and health and well-being is dependent on the strong public schools. The property values of our homes and our businesses thriving is dependent on the quality of our public schools, the quality of the service industry and the workforce readiness pipeline. And, you know, I've got this quote by Franklin D. Roosevelt, democracy cannot succeed unless those who express their choice are prepared to choose wisely. And the real safeguard of democracy, therefore, is education. And so I think there has been an awakening throughout the American public that we are a bedrock institution and that it is critically important that we preserve and advance this institution for the sake of our nation. Yeah, well said, Don. And and to your point on workforce integration, I want to touch on that for a minute too, because I think I had always thought through with my role at Cobert more about our partnerships with higher ed or skills-based talent producers, that kind of thing. And then really getting to know you understood, look, it starts earlier and what you've done to integrate real skills, real workforce integration, real companies within the K through 12 system, I think is incredible. And that's one of the reasons why, you know, I, I wanted you to be a part of our board of directors because your thought leadership is so valuable kind of going out. Talk about that piece of how you've integrated, you know, you've, you've, you've brought in partners within private industry. Why is that important to you in terms of the success of your students? Well, we are, among other things, a pipeline to the workforce. And we have nearly 200 business and corporate sector partners from the largest in the world to some of the more moderate size to some of our local businesses. And they serve on advisory boards for us and help us to develop our curriculum that aligns with the workforce needs in this complex global environment, which we find ourselves, it's a very different world. It's fast paced. And you think about Moore's law and the power and speed of microchips doubling every 24 months, our kids need to be agile and they need to be learning in ways we never did learn. And so our business partners and our corporate partners help us. We also have a robust advanced manufacturing program where we advance optics and electronics and machining and welding and automotive technology and culinary arts and nursing and paramedics and all of these things so that it's not just the traditional four-year path, four pathway. There's a two-year path. There are these certification programs. There's the military. There's the advanced manufacturing. There's just so many opportunities. 
And if you don't have the business and the corporate sector involved, you're going to be missing a lot of expertise. I sit on a number of boards, our Economic Development Council board here, the Colorado Business Roundtable, it's on several of the chamber boards in our area. And it's one of those things where uh, business and corporate have to merge to really work together to make sure that the workforce is being prepared well and is ready and perhaps more ready sooner than what we used to be used to. Used to be you go all the way to the 12th grade and then you might have some type of higher education and then you might be ready for the workforce. We're putting kids out in the workforce, the 11th grade, 12th grade, you know, right after college, right after high school. You can't do all that without the business and the corporate sector. Well, and I think you've got a commitment to relevancy for one and urgency, right? You're delivering, actually speaking their language, which is probably kind of my wrap-up question for you is what would you want? Most of most of the listeners probably with Cobert, as you know, are more private sector oriented CEOs and executives. What would you want them to know about K-12, either generally or St. Brain specifically? Well, what I would want them to know is that the students that we have today are far beyond, and this is a general statement, it's overall, there are exceptions, but they are far beyond where we ever were during my time in K through 12 as a student. What I mean by that is, if you can imagine back when I was going to school, a freshman in college then, in terms of readiness, would be the equivalent of a sophomore in high school now. What they're learning in preschool, full day kindergarten, all the way up through elementary and middle school, is far beyond what we were learning. And the preparation around design thinking and innovation and internships and apprenticeships, I want them to know that we have students who are ready to go much earlier than we were ready to go in our generation. And they are really smart. And sometimes that's counter to the narrative that we hear about public education. There are some challenges in public education and we also have to continue to advance and improve, as does every institution. But we have a lot of amazing students, and we are open and ready for those partnerships. And I would say the same thing with public education, that we have to be more open and inviting to our business and corporate partners. And the two of these institutions have to come together and not be two separate entities. Uh, and I I appreciate, you know, the way in which the business community has embraced St. Brain. Well, and you've been a force for good in bringing those thought leaders together. Don is a leader of that, which I really appreciate and helped shape some of my opinions around K through 12 and these partnerships. So it's been truly valuable. And, and I think that's why we re, rebranded this podcast, A Seat at the Table. Um, you truly have a seat at the table, not just here in Colorado, but um, nationally and in the good work that you're doing. And and I encourage our partners, if they're listening, to reach out to you. We'll be sure to put your contact information in the field um, with the podcast. Um, but Don, shifting gears, if you'd let me um, be so bold, we have a couple lightning round questions to ask you before I let you go. So this is a little sure. more on kind of the personal side, which um, I'm not sure if you, if you got this in advance, but it's almost more fun if you didn't. So yeah, I'm going to just lightning round, give you some stuff. Right. So your favorite powerhouse lunch or happy hour, where would that be? You talking about a location or what type of lunch? Location. location. Oh, wow. You know, I'll tell you, we have uh, Red Lobster up here, and I go there all the time. I'm not sure if it's a powerhouse lunch place or what it is, 
but I meet with uh, a number of legislators there, a number of business leaders, a number of education leaders, a number of parents, and it's uh, it's got a lot of different variety of food. So All that's right. where I go no. a lot. Yeah. No, I've only had Mexican food with you up there, so I haven't been to the Red Lobster. I'll put yeah. that on my list. Okay, best way to relax. I walk. I love to walk and exercise. I walk probably eight to 10 miles a day, and I will always oftentimes do 30, 40 minutes on the exercise bike. From my old days as a wrestler, I like to sit in saunas too, So and and read. That's nice, relaxing nice. to me. That's yeah. a lot. Well, that might blend into the next one. Favorite binge. It could be a book, a podcast, a Netflix series. What's your favorite binge? You know, I like uh, I like podcasts while I walk. I listened to one uh, most recently with Brene Brown and Liz Wiseman. It was called Impact Players. And I was so impressed by it that I've actually done the presentation to a variety of different departments in our system because it really talks about the difference between a traditional employee and an impact player. And really what we're trying to do is cultivate a team of impact players. And so I, I would recommend that to just about anybody. I also, I listened to a long, long podcast on General Grant of all people. I, uh, I was, uh, we read a book, Lincoln on Leadership as a team. And while I was reading that book, it kind of sparked an interest. And then I saw the book, about Ulysses S. Grant, and it was like 400 pages. And I said, ah, I don't think so. But what I do think <laughs> I'll do is listen to the podcast. It was a fascinating journey that he had. And so those are things that I really enjoy doing, walking and listening to podcasts. Perfect. Well, I'm writing all these things down. It's kind of a win-win for me. Yeah. Last question for you. Best advice you've ever gotten that's helped you earn your seat at the table? Well, to know what you're talking about. Make sure that whatever table you're going to be sitting at, and whatever the topic is, that you are well-versed and that you have knowledge and experience so that when you do have the opportunity to share something, it's valuable. The other thing that I think is always important is understand what the people who are at the table with you consider to be important and how you can add value to them as well and to be confident in your ability to do that. You know, people that I have developed a lot of respect for, their time is valuable. And while they don't have any problems sitting and engaging in some small talk, which is always important too, really how can you add value to them and their organization and to what's important to them? And I think that that's important that you do your homework if you're going to ask for a seat at the table. And lastly, it's when you do get that seat at the table, make sure you share what's on your mind. You know, don't uh, necessarily go along to get along. I don't mean be difficult, but I mean, you've got a seat at the table for a reason. And it's not simply to just be agreeable. You have to add value to the conversation and bring something to the table that nobody else can bring. And you have to be comfortable in sharing that and not backing away from a, a challenging conversation. Yeah, well said, Don. I, I like that, uh, you know, show value, have a seat at the table, um, have a point of view. That's of value as well. So um, really good talking with you today. You're one of my favorite people. Um, honored that you serve on the board of Colorado Business Roundtable and help provide leadership around this critical issue of, of everything from K through 12 and up and how we all work together to make Colorado a great place to live, work, and play. So, uh, I, yeah, I will tell you too, Debbie, that I 
have tremendous respect for you. What I have seen in terms of your leadership in a variety of different venues, it's, it's pretty exceptional and you've done remarkable work with the Colorado Business Roundtable and definitely, definitely advancing the business community. So thank you for your leadership. Well, thank you. And thanks everyone for joining us on A Seat at the Table by Colorado Business Roundtable. A Seat at the Table with Debbie Brown is a production of the Colorado Business Roundtable. You can find this episode, a listing of our upcoming events, and more information about our organization at cobrt.com.